listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Buddy, how you doing? I am doing great. Yeah? So glad to be back down at the bar. <laughs> I'm happy to have you. I'm just excited you're here. I'm pumped up. And, and I'm ready to go. So before we get to the big thing, I mean, I'm, and I want to talk about The Undertaker last ride, the whole thing last night. It's on the tip of everybody's tongue. It's what everybody wants to talk about. Uh, let's let's try to get through some of the stuff going on locally here. That's what we do here. We're wrestling Chicago style. We're on demand every week. You can get us live at noon every Monday on the Podbean app. You can get that through any app store. But if you're listening on demand right now, Bear with us for just a few minutes because I want to talk about what's going on in the world of local Chicagoland wrestling. Uh, first of all, Power Entertainment did an event we talked about a little bit last week, and uh, I know that there's some other promoters that are trying to kick around what they're going to do here in the next phase. What are you hearing? Yeah, so uh, real quick, Power Entertainment um, had their outdoor show at Alibi Pub in Wonder Lake uh, this past weekend, and it was so successful in, in Jimmy Blaze's eyes that they're coming back in two weeks, so 4th of July weekend on that Saturday, 4th of July. They're going to be back out there again. Um, decent atmosphere, a uh, good crowd. I mean, they spaced them out pretty good, according from, from what I've heard. And then um, one news item from the show itself, Scott Spade defeated Meat Hooks O'Bannon to become the new POW Midwest champion. So congratulations to Scott Spade. Uh, too bad for Meat Hooks, but I'm sure uh, he'll get a rematch at some point and uh, hopefully rest the title back. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, let's let's go into... It's rough to sit around all that time and think to yourself, I can't wait to wrestle again and then take a loss. Yeah. You know, how does That's that rough. happen? Yeah. <sighs> Three months without a match. Only everybody then, could win. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, uh, but POW is pretty much one of the very few groups in the area that's even running at this point. Um, Premier Pro Wrestling up in Woodstock is doing their very, very small TV tapings every Saturday night. Um they don't get a lot of people for that, so they're they're fine under the um, the government restrictions. Uh, there was a show in Indiana just this past Sunday, PRW. They also did it outdoors as well. So little by little, there's companies coming back doing shows. Um, this phase four safe. thing basically sits there and says, well, you can have 50 people. Mm-hmm. And we were talking before we turn on the microphones. Uh, you know, you got to imagine promoters are, first of all, very creative people. So I was like, well, what if you did like 50 people, like you could do this even better. Like you could set up a rink outside, a, a ring outside, right? A rink, not a hockey rink, a ring. <laughs> you put a ring outside, right? And then you, you set up four different viewing areas that have their own entrances that can't interact with the other viewing area. Maybe you could find a way then to have, you have four different wrestling parties in four different quadrants around it, outside, spaced off, with fences and stuff like that, four different entrances into that. Four, and there's no way they can really interact with each other. You could call those four different sets of 50 and have 200 at something. You could probably do that and still socially distance everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. I, you know I'm, I'm here. I'm available. WindyCitySlam.com. Uh, my name is Chris. If you need help with your promotion, <laughs> all right? Let's figure out how to do this. Sounds like a cool plan, Chris. <laughs> uh, we'll see if any of the promoters are listening. But speaking of, of local promotions, um, there's still a lot of people that are hesitant in coming back. There was supposed to be a big freelance wrestling show this coming weekend in conjunction with Pride Day in Chicago. Obviously, they had to put the kibosh on it. They postponed that till next year. Hopefully, they'll be back and running for Pride Day in 2021. 
So um, good luck with that, Mr. Matt Nix. Uh, appreciate the, the message last night about that. Um, places like Freelance, AAW, Freelance Underground, Chicago Star Wrestling, Zello Pro, Warrior Wrestling, those companies right now are very much in a holding pattern. Uh, Zello has a show scheduled for August at um, Joe's on Wheat Street. So we'll see how things go the next few weeks and whether they can pull that show off. Freelance Underground also has a show uh, in the south suburbs for like the first weekend or two in August. So slowly but surely, the plans are being made. We'll see what happens. I think the promoters have been very, very smart throughout this entire thing in terms of making sure their talent is safe and their fans are safe, creating goodwill with the fans and making sure their talent is okay. So I, I, I commend them for that during this pandemic. And something I really want to get into um, before we um, shift into other stuff, GPA, one of my top 10 wrestlers from a couple months ago. That's when we correct. Chicago workers. You did, your, you did your, your top 10 workers in the Chicago area. Yes. And he was on there for yes, sure. Was. So what happened with him? Uh, he had a nice little string of tweets on Twitter this past weekend about what's going on with the pandemic and local wrestling. And uh, bear with me. This will take probably about a minute, minute and a half to read the entire thing. But I just want to get it out there so people understand the, the, the gravity of it. So basically, here's what he says at GPA Thinks on Twitter. Independent wrestling shows are a bad idea right now. With all due respect to the passion and financial needs of those involved, we simply aren't ready. There is no right way to do this. There are many factors to consider. You can't account for the habits of everyone on the roster. Maybe they've been social distancing. Maybe they lick handrails at the airport. You don't know. Screenings and the honor system are worthless. Workers are workers. They'll say whatever they need to get on. Very few wrestlers have had access to a ring since March. Every pro sport will attempt to start back up. will have weeks-long training camps. However, many wrestlers are going to, going to go from their couches to the ring. People are going to get hurt. People have gotten hurt. If wrestling is still your only source of income, get a job. Read the room. Relying on paydays was fine when the world was normal, but wrestling is not back and won't be back with any consistency until 2021 at the earliest. Find employment. Desperation will get you killed. If you're just bored, grow up. I don't know how I can make you care about 115,000 deaths in six months. Why do I need to say that that's bad? If you need to hurt yourself in front of people for $20, start a Patreon. Hunt yourself for $5 a pop, then use that money for therapy. Remove temptation. Fans are going to want to go to these shows, yes, but they shouldn't have the option. Worry about their health and yours before you worry about their money. Guys are going to fight on the floor. Fans are going to get up and move around. The risks are unavoidable. Listen to scientists. Just because a politician declares his state open for business does not mean there's any guarantee of safety. No scientist has declared fan-attended sporting events to be safe. Consider why. We are closer to the beginning of this pandemic than the end. Wrestling now could mean you never wrestle again. COVID-19 directly impacts our respiratory system, in some cases severely. Wrestling is an extremely cardiocentric sport. If you get the virus, your lungs may never fully recover. Was one match worth it? See the bigger picture. I don't say any of this out of bitterness or spite. I care about the people involved, and I care about the industry. I love the passion. It's so admirable. But we need, in some cases for the first time ever, to care about our health and those around us. This is bigger than us. To everyone attending these shows, best of luck. More than ever, you will need it. 
All right, so that's an interesting take, and here's my, and this is my my reaction to it. He has every he he's he's right. It is dangerous. I understand it, but in the end, the this is a this virus has become a personal choice. I mean, it really has been. If you're like this, is the way I look at this, and I you know some people hate me for saying this, but I'm sorry. Look, you you have a responsibility to yourself and your loved ones, and then for the general public that's around you. If you are practicing the best practices for yourself and your loved ones, and then you decide that you think something is safe to go to, you can't be besmirched for going to it. Mm-hmm. All right. Like, for example, we stayed separated while we were recording the show. A lot of times we stayed separated, one, for your safety, but also I was going to see my parents who are at risk, mm-hmm. right? And, yes. and you you have some some things that you have to deal with that makes you kind of fall into the at-risk category, yes. Mike. And I, but on the other side, myself, my kids, my wife, we don't feel very at risk to what's going on. We look at the statistics and say the chances that the kids or us could suffer from it are very low. And if we're willing to accept that risk, then we'll accept it. So the thing is, is that we quarantine, we stay away from people, we do the right thing. And then we give ourselves a treat every once in a while. We go and we do something. And then when we're done with that treat, we quarantine again for another two weeks before we go around anybody that's at risk. If I choose a person that I want to take that risk, I have every right to do it. If these wrestlers want to go out and wrestle, he can not like it. And he has every right to not like it. I get it. But on the other side, if somebody needs to make a living, they they are, it is still their choice. Mm -hmm. I get his point of view. And in a lot of ways, I I agree with his point of view. I don't know what the need is for a lot of local shows to be happening. Mm-hmm. But if somebody comes up with something that they find to be responsible, everybody that shows up to get a ticket is an adult and has the opportunity to choose what they think is safe and what they don't mm-hmm. think is safe. And that's that's the thing here. We we know what the risks are. That's why people you see more people wearing masks than you see people not wearing masks. So I get everything that he's saying, but I also don't think that that should be a statement of no. You're wrong if you open up something. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you open up something, you put all the, the safety measures in place, and somebody makes a personal decision to do something, you're not responsible for them. That's kind of how I see that. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm kind of in the same boat with you, but uh, I, I probably agree with him a little bit more than you do. I mean, it all, is a, all it takes is one person making a couple of bad decisions to spread it to multiple people. Right. Even if, you know, there are safeguards in place, sanitizer, masks, and all that. I mean, it, 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 it's very difficult. And the whole the study of this virus is still evolving even after three to four months in the United States. And like maybe six or seven months internationally around the world, it's very difficult. And um, I think I really respect GPA. He's actually kind of living up to his gimmick here with a very smart, well thought out, well reasoned statement on Twitter. And I definitely give him props for that. And I, I know a lot of guys are hesitant. I know some guys want to are champing at the bit to jump back into getting a paycheck. But I know there was a lot of guys who may have like a regular shoot job other than wrestling. And right. some, some people are being able to do that. And other people may, may have been sent home because, you know, maybe their job wasn't essential or they're at risk or whatever. So yeah, it's a very, very difficult time for local wrestling. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing too. I mean, you have people who have been laid off. Yeah. So some of these wrestlers might have had a regular shoot job and they've yes. been laid off. And so then here's that this would be my question. The GPA is that I get what you're saying here, but you, would you be, so terribly offended if a group of six to 10 guys quarantined and then decided they were all going to live in the same place and travel around as a road show, mm-hmm. but they knew they were keeping themselves safe. 
and that they did it outside, like I suggested earlier, mm-hmm. and you spread out the stands and you make the thing as, as open as you possibly can out yes. there. You know, on, on that side of the thing, that's much different than packing a bunch of people into a gym and not knowing who the guys are that are coming in to work that night. So, yeah, I get it. You're going to have people that are going to sit there and say, I'm, I've been totally quarantining because, I, you know, I, you know and, and I get that. I understand that. And But the guys that are involved in that also understand that. Yes. You know, I mean, you and I, you and I have not seen each other in three months. Yeah. I have told you what I've done. You've told me what you've done. But do I know 100%? I have no idea. Yeah. I, and you don't know either. Okay. I mean, I cleaned down the microphones for you. I tried to make everything safe. But, I, you know, there could have been something I overlooked. There could have been a mistake. You're taking a calculated risk to come in here right now for a podcast. So, I mean, like, we all have these things that we weigh when we're doing it. I understand his concern. I completely get his concern. And I understand anybody that doesn't want to do it. I understand people that want to stay inside their houses. It's your choice. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to besmirch the business owner or the person that decides that they want to go out there because they look at the stats a different way. They go, yes, certain percentage of people are going to die, but 80, I got an 85% chance I'm going to be asymptomatic and I'm not going to get sick at all from this. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they've decided that's how they want to live their life. We can't tell people how to live their lives. We can only expect people to be human and and yeah, and care about other people enough. Like if you're wearing a mask, you're a human being. You care about the other people because yes. you're trying to protect, stop the spread. Okay. If somebody's doing that, I can't besmirch them from walking out of their house in any way. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's the thing. So we yeah, are very well thought out by GPA. I'm sure spurring a lot of different opinions on the internet in real life. Um, wrestling fans talking about it. But yeah, I think I probably side with him a little bit more than you do. But I, I totally understand where you're coming from as well with, you know, obviously with business owners and all that too, suffering through this whole thing. It's really, really difficult. And uh, I just wish it would go away. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing of, well, get another job. That was the only thing that really bothered me about it. Get another yeah. job. I mean, we're in record unemployment right now. Get another yeah. job. I mean, there's people that had jobs for 20 years and lost them because of yeah. COVID. And, and you're saying, oh, just go get another job. GPA it's, must it's, be doing very well in his life. But that's the thing that that... He probably should have left that out. Yeah. That kind of that kind of hurts a little bit. Let's move on to some of this other stuff because I want to get to Undertaker and I know we want to get to some AEW because we left them out last time. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and talk about AEW right now, actually. Uh still kind of transition with a little bit of local flavor. I mentioned to you before the show, Robert Eagle and Anthony is kind of becoming a regular now on their AEW dark show. He and Scorpio Sky, both like 15 to 20 year veterans, had a great match on dark this past week. And obviously, we just had Ego against John Moxley a couple weeks ago. That was a hell of a match. It was about 15 minutes. They gave them a lot of time. It was quality work by both guys. And uh, they're friendly. So they had a little friendly relationship. So the big story in AEW now is John Moxley and Brian Cage are going at each other at Fighter Fest coming up in the next couple of weeks uh, on AEW television programming. Do you think it's even possible they would take the belt off of Moxley, though? I mean, it felt like when they gave it to him, the intention was a long-running be the face of the company type thing. Yeah, I think he squeezes this out. I yeah. think he ends up winning it. But to go back to Ego Anthony now, um, he stood up for his friend Moxie because Taz kind of verbally berated him a couple of times, both on Twitter and on site at the Dynamite tapings. And Brian Cage attacked him too. So Ego stepped up and said, okay, I want to match with you, Ego and Cage. And this is really cool because it'll be two guys who are regulars at Warrior Wrestling as well. I mean. Uh, Ego is actually a, a big heel there, and Cage is the big baby face. He was the champion for like, over a year, and now the rules are kind of reversed in AEW, where Ego's kind of like that quasi baby face, and Cage is definitely a heel with Taz at his side. And Ego's basically said, Let's do the match. And Tony Khan tweets right back, You got it, buddy. 
And that's going to be Tuesday night this week, AEW Dark on the AEW YouTube channel. I like the fact that he's, I mean, like, it seems like he's getting a true shot here with AEW, and that's pretty exciting. I know you've Mm -hmm. talked about him a lot on the show before. You can go back and listen to previous podcasts. You've always admired, like, the work that he does, the fact that he can do heel and and face basically mm-hmm. whenever he wants to go and do it he, you know that that's a versatile guy yes. and, and i think you're excited about the fact he gets in there and i look forward to the first time we actually get to see him on regular television because i feel like that's got to be coming at some point so yeah you know i think yeah, i think he's actually getting a really good opportunity and, and i think they they think they trust him i think he's going to be back doing more stuff for them that's exciting that's and then exciting. also in aew uh i know we talked a little bit about orange cassie in the past we talked a little bit about him last week with jericho hit him with the sack of oranges and, and busted him open Big deal. Classic Jericho. So main event here, we have Orange uh, Orange Cassidy's buddies, the best friends, Trent and Chuck Taylor. They're facing Les Sex Gods, which are Chris Jericho (laughs) and Sammy Guevara of the Inner Circle. I love that. And the best friends were the number one contenders, but to try to get revenge on the Inner Circle and Jericho, they put their number one contendership for the tag team titles on the line in this match. So they're thinking, oh boy, now they're going to end up losing that to the inner circle and Jericho and Guevara are going to go into fighter fest as the number one contenders. Match goes on, kind of competitive thing. Looks like the inner circle guys are about to win. But all of a sudden, um, Guevara tries to do a little uh, spring off the ropes and the cameraman trips Guevara. Oh. And I'm like, wait a minute. Oh. And then ends up in uh, best friends winning the match. And then the cameraman un- undisguises himself, and it's Orange Cassie is the cameraman. Classic swerve. Kind of Classic cool. swerve. I, I like, really I, you know, well the, done. the little part of me that just remembers all the, the, the goofy little stuff that would happen during the Monday Night Wars. Like, this, this is that, that, that right there loves that. Yeah. Like, that, the, the, the teenager into young adult in me just loves that act, mm-hmm. that whole thing. Everything from Lee Sex, from Lee Sex Gods to, to Orange Cassidy as a cameraman. Like, it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm warming up to the Orange Cassidy character a little bit the last few weeks. I have to admit, I know, yeah, it's, it's kind of stupid, kind of goofy. Why do the fans really like this? But Tony Khan's really behind it. Uh, Jericho, I think, really, really helped get it over the last couple of weeks as well. So I'm kind of a little bit more sold now on Orange Cassidy than I was maybe a few months ago. Nah, so. still stupid. So. <laughs> <laughs> still Still really, really stupid. Can we get to something good? I mean, I don't want to run out of time here. I feel like we're going to talk about The Undertaker a ton. Yeah. You want something else in here before we get to it? Because yeah, I want to get into the last ride. Let's go WWE real right. quick and then get into Hustle Taker. it up because I'm ready for this thing. I'm All pumped. Right. Christian came back and actually wrestled last week on Raw. So he came out defending Edge after the big, the greatest wrestling match ever at Backlash. Christian, mind you, has not wrestled in like six-something years, and he's been medically disqualified. And, of course, now Edge is going to be out eight months because apparently he tore his tricep in that match with Orton. So I guess this, maybe this could be a little bit real of a life injury? Real life injury? Real life injury? Yes, real life injury. Had surgery on it already to fix it. How are you going to fill for eight months with Christian? Uh, How is that possible? Probably won't be all with Christian. <laughs> at least for the short term. You have to run people out there for eight months in like this never-ending group that's defending Edge. Like mm-hmm. I, You almost need to just let the storyline go away and let him come back in eight months. Yeah, maybe that's what you do at you the know? end of this little Christian. Or, or just let, yeah. let, let it be that Randy injured him. Like yeah. Randy actually got him out of wrestling. Yeah. The end of story. And then when he comes back later, start the story off however you mm-hmm. want to. Why would you hold on to that for eight months? It just seems it seems silly. Yeah. You know, sometimes you got to roll with the punches. Things don't work out. Roll with the punches. So Christian came back, had the match. Rick Flirk, who's 
been kind of supporting Randy Orton, but he comes out and, and pleads with Christian, please, you don't have to do this. You don't have to prove yourself. Edge says you don't have to do this, blah, blah, blah. Ref rings the bell. Classic flair comes in back in the ring from behind, nut shots him from behind. Right. Christian's writhing in pain. Randy runs up, does his classic running punt kick to the head, knocks him out, pins him. That's it. Christian does a stretcher job. That's the end of Raw. So the story continues between Edge and Orton, and now Christian's involved. I like an evil Randy Orton. Evil Randy Orton's the best kind of Randy Orton, and uh, that's that's really what he should always be. Yeah. Uh, speaking of evil, uh, yeah. the, the darkness that Big is evil. The Undertaker. Yes. Uh, last ride finished. Yes. And as far as I'm concerned, I tweeted it last night from my personal account. It was better than the Bulls documentary, in my opinion. Wow. I, I yes. saying something. I know. I know it's saying something. But yeah. I, I, was, I felt more invested. Like, the Bulls thing was cool because, like, you got a little back, back behind the scenes thing. But as somebody from Chicago, I was like, I already knew most of these stories. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not, like, it was cool to listen to them admit all the stuff we always thought about them and their relationships and stuff like that. But I knew less about what was going on backstage with The Undertaker. I felt like that was very revealing and far more of like, wow. Like, And then the Lincoln last night, the fact that we watched that Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast, and now to find out what was going on leading into it mm-hmm. and what was going on right after it. That, to me, was like, I thought that was so cool because we've talked about this now in the last couple of times we brought up the last ride, last week's show, in fact, where I sat there and said, what if the AJ Styles thing is going to be his last match? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it kind of alluded to it. Like, like he always wanted to work with AJ in like multiple episodes. And and like if you think about the podcast, everything, and it really kind of came around the way that we kind of thought that it was going to come around in the yeah. final episode. And I thought it was, I thought it was incredible. And I'm very happy if he never comes back again because you know what? He's had a good career. And I think it showed you for five full episodes that the man was beaten up and needed to learn that it was time to be done. Yeah. Yeah. I do agree with the fact that. Stepping away is probably a good thing. So basically, this is the quote from when he kind of announced his retirement. Uh, At this point in my life and in my career, I have no desire to get back in the ring. This time, the cowboy really rides away. That sounds to me like he's he's done. He's done. Yeah. And look, why would he stick around at this point? He is not going to get back in the ring for a long time because of this COVID thing. There's not a lot of things that he can do. And he got what he wanted. Like, he, he even described it like, First of all, the only reason he got back in with AJ Styles is because he always wanted to do it. And secondly, it's incredible, but God, everybody loves AJ Styles. Didn't, I mean, did you notice that? Everybody loves AJ Styles. Triple yeah. H is like, this is the this guy's the man. Like, this is the one guy that everybody wants to be in the ring with. He's like the best. I mean, and again, that goes back to what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. WWE loves some AJ Styles. And if and if AJ was ticked off about what was going on with his two buddies that got that got jettisoned. Yeah. Okay. And now almost you understand even more why Paul Heyman may not be in charge anymore over at raw i mean the aj is a is like a made guy over there now he's the man that's what it kind of feels like and then i also thought it was interesting that look how the undertaker was happy at the end he gets to be with aj and look who's directing the entire thing it's not vince out there putting together that match it's triple h no wonder it turned out good yeah you know i mean that that goes right back to every everything that every fan has ever said like let triple h run things because he he's when he gets involved everything just turns out better yeah, and, he, he gets it. Yeah, he yeah. understands like the whole thing and what was going on. And you know, we I, and I thought about you last night when I was watching. I thought about when when uh, you were like, you know, everything about that, I really liked it. But 
you know, then all of a sudden he's not, he's, he's like the supernatural undertaker because he's standing behind mm-hmm. AJ Styles. Yes. But he explained that in the documentary. Yeah. That he wanted all of his characters. Yeah. He wanted the first two that, that you've Holy seen yeah. and, the, and the Mark Calloway character that you're just being introduced now. Yeah. He wanted that whole thing and that's how he wanted to finish. And if you think about it, how could he make it any better than what happened right there? He yeah. has to be done at this point. It, 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 it's got to be real. I can't see why he would get back in. If he got back in again, I'd be like, why? Why are you doing this? You, you did it perfectly. It's like Ric Flair wrestling for Impact two years after his match with Shawn Michaels and in his career in 08 WWE. Yeah, you, you, you kind of want to see that. This actually was a really good ending for Taker. And the whole, now the whole promo before Mania about the unholy trinity makes sense now when he explains it in the documentary. Right, right. It's the Undertaker. It's another form of his character. And then it's Mark Calloway himself. I mean, I think really, really well done. Uh, Triple H and even Jeremy Borash, who I noticed was part of the thing in the background, not mentioned by name, not really shown a lot on camera, but he was definitely on site helping with that match too and producing it. So kudos to both Triple H and Jeremy Borash for having a hell of a plan for that match and for Undertaker and AJ Styles for executing that plan to a T. Now that said, Backstage in a documentary with all the rhetoric and everything about WWE's doing everything safe. Nobody there was, everybody was like right on top of each other. I mean, look at it. The workers that came in, the Mm -hmm. guys who came in to do the construction on the whole thing, all the people involved in it. There were far more than 10 people working there. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, think about what the restrictions were back then. I was like, they just, they didn't, they just said, yeah, yeah, we're being safe. There wasn't anything that was that special that was going on there to keep that entire scene safe. I mean, I didn't see one one person don a mask the entire time throughout the documentary. Yeah. Not not a single one. So I mean, I, that was the one thing that that did kind of stick out to me. I was like, you know, for all of the 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 hand wringing and the we're trying to do everything the right way and everything like that, they they really didn't change how they operated. Everybody's standing. Triple H is standing there, right in his face, talking real close to him. Nobody changed how they were talking when the documentary was being shot. Okay, and these are supposed to be candid moments backstage. So that did that also did kind of jump out at me. The only mm-hmm. thing that I noticed was that the documentary crew had to sit further back when they interview him and his wife. Okay, mm-hmm. so Michelle McCool, and they're on the banks of the river. They are standing much further back, and they're outdoors. Mm-hmm. And that's what it kind of felt like. Yes. It felt like that. Like the, with the documentary crew, they were like, "You, you, you stay back ten feet." We don't know who you are, but there's a lot of trust within that WWE family mm-hmm. where everybody just acted like it wasn't like it was just a, it was a regular Tuesday. That's I got that as well when I was watching it. Yeah, that was interesting perspective on that as well. Um, interesting tidbit, too, that I had no idea that happened. So basically the day they're starting to just set up on the site for the Boneyard match for WrestleMania, Undertaker finds out his brother, his real life brother, Tim passes away. He gets, yeah. gets a call in from the car, I guess. And he answers it like, man, this is a lot of heavy stuff going on. And then I believe the very next day was when they filmed, he filmed the bone for WrestleMania. And he sat there and he goes, and it was really weird to be dealing with like death and tombstones and everything like that. Having caskets and I'm going to have to bury yeah. my brother, you know I mean? Like mm-hmm. that, that, like that, that had to be a difficult thing, but you also see that when he's working, the relationship between him and Styles, like I, that's the thing. Like you always like hear and read books. Like you read the Mankind book, you read the Rock book, you read you read any of these things that are going on backstage. You get the fact these guys they sit down, and they discuss the matches ahead of time and what they're gonna do. But wow, to see like the amount of collaboration that goes into what they're doing, they I don't think WWE has ever shown that before. Yeah, that's that's what's amazing to me. 
They actually show all that. And if he really is the Undertaker, he could never be the Undertaker going forward after this. He's exposed too much of himself. The mystique yeah, is gone. Yeah. The, the mystique is gone. So that's why it, this this was his swan song. They they basically finished that, and he goes, I'm done. And then they came out with the documentary. That's why they waited so long to release it. Right. It was like three years worth of like new footage, extra footage, interviews, and all that. So I guess they waited till the right time. Okay, and he's he's happy. He's content. He's done. Okay, let's do it. Right, yeah. So, I mean, it was like everything was in the can until they were sure. Yeah. And now I think everybody's pretty much sure that he's not going to be coming back. Wow. And I'm fine. Like I said, great career. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. If you didn't get to watch that thing, it's it's worth it. It's worth the nine ninety nine to have yes, to subscribe to the WWE Network for for a month and then get rid of it. Take your, get your free subscription and mark it on the calendar if you really don't want to keep WWE Network. But it was totally worth watching. You know, the five episodes were great. I, I was enthralled by the entire thing. I really enjoyed looking at what was going on backstage, kind of, especially as we got close to the pandemic. I found myself going March, whatever, March 10th. Okay, this is about three days before the world started to shut down. Yeah. And they're, they're like in this meeting. Like, I mean, I'm following the dates and watching this as it's happening. And it just was so interesting to watch everything going on backstage all the way through WrestleMania. That was that was so cool on top of all the Undertaker stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was that was a really neat thing. And what do we, like... As, as we get towards the end of the show here, if he is retired, mm-hmm. what is his defining moment in your mind? His defining moment. Like what was, what was the moment? What was the moment? Like, uh, how about this? If I told you pick a match, pick a moment, pick a thing that he did. And you go that, that was, that was the best right there. And that was something that immediately jumps into my brain. I don't have to think about it very much. The first thing that flashed in my brain. What is it? Wow. I'm, I think there might be two things that kind of stick out his rivalry with Shawn Michaels and the two great WrestleMania matches, including the one that ended up retiring Shawn for good. And do you follow in with the two triple H ones right after that? Is that all one big thing? Yeah. That was a great run of WrestleMania matches. And the other moment that kind of sticks out for me is when the streak ended with Brock Lesnar. The fact he couldn't even remember like anything that went on in that match, which is nuts. But the streak ending itself was kind of the end of an era right there. I mean, he was like 21 and 0 or something at WrestleMania. It was a huge deal. I mean, people sat there with their mouths wide open. I mean, it was a legitimate reaction from fans. Like, we expected him to somehow pull this out and be Undertaker and just rise up and win that match. But he didn't kick out. He didn't sit up. So, like, holy crap. This is nuts. Those two are probably the two biggest ones. Yeah. Those are good. But honorable mention. Okay. And it's not even really completely him. The cage match against Mick Foley. Yeah. They, yep, that, Mick, always, that always flashes into my brain. Yes. Not only because it was a great match and was so shocking and, and Foley goes through the cage and then off the top of the cage and all the craziness that's happening in that thing, but he really put over Mick Foley in that, in that match. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I mean, it, that, but it was a great match to watch. You didn't care who won that match. You just knew you were watching something incredible that ever since then they've been trying to duplicate. Yeah. Like every time some guy goes off the top of the cage, he's trying to, he's trying to duplicate that moment, but it'll never be duplicated again because it was the first time you saw anything that crazy and he was involved in it. And so since he's involved in it, you got to put that into one of his great moments. I, I, some people probably think of that as a a Foley moment. It's also a taker moment. Sure it is. Yeah. 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 It takes two to tango. Yeah, that's Absolutely. that's the whole thing. There's a whole that's what you learn in this documentary. It's a yeah. dance. And these guys are are they know what they're going to do before they go in and do it. And they it you need both guys to be on, or it doesn't work out. And you know the other thing that flashed to me, and and now we're gonna we're gonna have to get to the end of the show here, but the other thing mm-hmm. that flashed to me to kind of just pop back into my mind. 
Remember the whole thing with Goldberg in Saudi Arabia? Yes. And then he also had the match where he has uh, himself, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and Kane. Those were in the documentary, and they were just disasters, right? Yes, they were. He talks about, I think in, in the one with the foursome, about how he had something going on at home, and his mind wasn't on the match. And I think to myself, it was almost a blessing in disguise that he had to film the Boneyard thing. Because he wanted it, if it was good, it was going to be his final match. But his brother had just died. Mm-hmm. So imagine if he also has a mind lapse or something, makes one mistake in the ring that he's not happy with when he looks at the tape, and this guy's still trying to keep going. You know, I mean, like, that's the thing. He got to film it. So if something went wrong or if he had a, a, a if he had something on his mind and needed 10 minutes to sit down, he could do it during the Boneyard filming thing. Yeah. And that was, that was fortunate because when I saw that his brother passed away, I was like, wow, that kind of reminded me immediately back to when he's distracted, how he'd had some rough matches in the back end. So that also jumped out at me during the document. There's so much you could tear apart like an onion. So many this, layers. It's amazing. Yes. Yeah. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah. And in fact, they stopped the match briefly while filming because he, he cut his arm open, bashing in like the, the hearse. Yeah, exactly. So they had that flexibility as well. So uh, Otherwise that would have been the gaff that screws up the whole match. Yeah. And he would have been, and the, the documentary would have gone on for another three years. It would have been brutal. It would have been like 10 parts and like, yeah, it, like 15, 20 We matches. wouldn't have seen it until 2048 when he finally <laughs> died. Like, yeah. it, like, it would have been horrible. He's never going to die. It would have been the most excruciating thing you've ever watched in your entire life. So, if like, I'm trying to find positives out of COVID. I'm going to say one positive out of COVID is that The Undertaker got to film his last match. This-